You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So, everybody likes rules, right? Everybody likes rules? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, wait a minute, let me, let me change that a little bit. Everybody likes the rules that you make, okay, right? Yeah, so you, when you make the rules of, of how your spouse is supposed to treat you, you like those rules, right? Or if you're a business owner and you make the rules for your employees, you like those rules. We just don't like the rules other people make for us, right? And there's a lot of crazy rules out there. I mean, have you looked at, um, have you, looked at you know, uh, product packaging lately? Here's, a, here's just a few ideas of some things, right? Uh, on fish hooks, do not swallow fish hooks, you know. Now, that's a rule, okay? If you buy fish hooks, don't swallow them. That's a rule, but it's a good rule. Here's, a, here's another one. Do not use a hairdryer while sleeping. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you do that, okay? Here, a third one. Uh, do not use silly putty as earplugs. I'm not really sure about that either. Okay, fourth one. Children should not attempt to fly while wearing this Superman costume. <laughs> Some of y'all needed that back when you were a kid, didn't you? And you were jumping off the roof trying to fly, right? Okay, uh, the next, number five. Remove child before folding stroller. <laughs> Anybody ever tried that? You, you know, sometimes it's hard to get those things to fold together. It's really hard if you don't take the kid out first, right? All right, the next one is do not use the vanishing fabric marker for signing checks or legal documents. <laughs> I'd be a cool one to pull on somebody sometime. This is my favorite right here. Do not hold the wrong end of the chainsaw. <laughs> I think we need a little more explanation because if you're smart enough to figure out which is the wrong end, surely you're smart enough to know not to hold it, right? <laughs> okay? So we need a little bit. Okay, but we, we don't like rules, and we look at that. Those are some crazy things that people, you know, somebody said there is a lawsuit behind every one of those. That's the reason they had to write that on the packaging is because somebody threatened to sue them because they did use silly putty for their, you know, they couldn't get it out or whatever, right? Or, you know, or someone swallowed a fish hook, you know, and they had to. Sometimes we have to be told the most stupid stuff, right? You know, because we just don't get it. Last week we talked about marriage, and, and uh, we used that scripture. I mean, we really went through that scripture where Jesus talked to us about what marriage was. And we all had heard that before, but... <laughs> We don't think about all the stuff that means in there, okay? And so that's why in the Old Testament, there are over 160 laws or rules in the Old Testament, in the law. Now, I didn't count them. I'm taking somebody's word for it, okay? But I know there's over 70 just in Leviticus alone, you know? And so I'm pretty sure that's a good number. And that's why I put, they, they actually said a number of exactly 160-something. I don't remember. And I just said over 160 because I don't even know if they got it right. There's a ton of, you know Why? You know why they had to have, because somebody swallowed some fish hooks. You know, or somebody, like, like, like there's, there's actually a law. I mean, I, I don't know what in the world this has to do with, you know, being a follower of God, but it says that one of the laws is, is when you build your house, build a rail around the roof. You know, they did, had flat roofs, so build that little half wall rail so that somebody doesn't step over, follow, because people go up on roofs back in those days a lot more and spend time up there because it was flat. So you build that. Or, or don't leave a, a pit uncovered. Like if you dig a hole, and you don't fill it in, then cover it up so somebody doesn't fall in or somebody's animal doesn't fall in. And, you know, an ox falls in, breaks the leg, and they have to shoot it and kill it, that kind of thing. I mean, those, these are some of the, the laws or, or some of those dietary ones. You remember, like, don't eat camels? Sounds like a good one to me. I have to, I mean, it looks like, you know, there'll be a whole lot of meat inside that, you know, inside that hump right there, you know. So it looks like maybe somebody thought that one time. Or don't eat, don't eat tigers or don't eat bats. 
And uh, I don't know, you know, we, we don't know still looking back, you know, the last two, three or four or five years and wondering, you know, maybe we need to do, hear that one sometime before, right? So they had all these rules and 160 plus rules that they had in the Old Testament. And so Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. And then one day he had a guy to this, listen, this guy did not really want to know the, the answer to this question. He was testing Jesus. He was trying to trick Jesus into saying something just a little off base that he could then twist into something big and he could catch Jesus in something. But he asked Jesus, of all of these laws, which one is the greatest? And what Jesus did is he went back to an ancient Jewish creed, something they had heard over and over and over, and that's what he told them. Here, here it is. This is the first and the greatest one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You'll see that in the Old Testament in several places. And this is something they've heard. Now listen, there were people standing around him, and though this one guy was trying to trick him, there were other people that were listening, and so Jesus had to give a right answer, not just chastise the guy like, you don't really want to know. So he had to give a right answer, and this is the answer he gave. And he gave them something that they had heard over and over and over and said, this is it. You know, it's not that about not eating bats or about building a parapet around your, around your roof or that kind of thing. It, it's, it, this is it. This is the number one thing. If he was going to give you a number one, here is the number one. But he didn't stop there. Now, that was the creed that they had all heard all of their lives, every Jew. Every Jew had heard this all their lives. But he went on and he said, the second is like unto it. It's equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this has been called, a lot of people call this today, this is the Jesus Creed. Actually, there's some books out there written called the Jesus Creed. It's because this is what Jesus, when he said, I've not come to do away with, but I've come to fulfill, this is the fulfillment of the law because then what he says after this, and we don't have that scripture there, but what he says is, on these two laws right here, hang all the law and the prophets, meaning that if you'll get these two things, you don't need to know to not lust after your neighbor. You don't need to know to not have adultery, uh, commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. You don't need to know to not steal from somebody else because that doesn't fit right there. You don't need to know, don't curse, don't swear. Don't, you don't need to know because everything fits right if we could just get these two things. But again, we don't, do we? I mean, it's like, yeah, we, okay, okay. I, I, I love my neighbor as much as I love you. Do you really? Now think about it, you know, about how, you know, how much time you spend talking about yourself or thinking about yourself or praying, oh God, forgive us for praying so much about our stuff, our things, instead of praying for those who are truly in need today. Because that's what we're talking about here. We protect our time. I mean, this is a time, I mean, you know, you know, it used to be, I just tell you, it used to be um, back when I was a kid, some of you aren't old enough to remember this but it used to be people would actually show up at your door without calling twice and texting first you know I mean they would just show up you know and my mom and dad would open the door and people would come in and we'd have a good time I mean if you do that today you know you're gonna get your feelings hurt you know or if you do it after dark you might get the police called on you you know I mean we just are so protective of of our space and our time and everything and it's like that that ain't happening Okay, so let's dig a little deeper into this. What, what is this relationship supposed to be between us and this world out here that does not yet know Jesus Christ? Glad you asked. In Psalm, there's a, a great, great scripture right here in Psalm, and, and, and you might have heard this one, might not have. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God who's dwelling is holy. Father to the fatherless, uh, and, and he's a defender of widows, if you, you might know someone that, that could say yes and, and you've watched their life about how God has been their father when 
Their dad wasn't there for them. Oh, maybe he was actually there physically, but he wasn't really there. He was the father to the fatherless or, or the defender of the widows. And I've seen that happen so many times in my life. Yes, that's God. And he goes on. He says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Does he do that still today? Because you know what? I'm, I, I got to think about this. When, when I remember years ago when I would read this, I would think about, yeah, that, he helps little kids find their place. In families, you know, he helps kids find adopted, you know, adopted parents and all of that. But you know what? I look around today, and it's not just the kids that are lonely. I mean, most of the loneliness I see today is in adults. And you know, so if we're talking about adopting them into family, here's the problem: is I don't see a whole lot of people taking in 25 and 30 and 40 year old that are lonely. You know, it's like, come on, be a part of our family. You know, we'll adopt you. You know, we got an extra bed. You know, I don't see a lot of that happening. So, what is our place in this? If he's going to put lonely people into families, how's he going to do that? We, just to let you know, we are the family that he wants to put the lonely in. That's who we are. We're not just supposed to think as highly of them as we think of ourselves, but we're to be their family, to be the family that, that allows them. And every person, every person, person can can I say those first two words one more time every person in our communities that does not know Jesus Christ they need this family that we are a part of today amen they need this and this is the relationship that we are to have with our communities all the people in our communities we're supposed to be that family member now but here's I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just step on our toes this morning okay just a little bit right here is one of the problems is there's way too many holy huddles in the Christian world today. And if you, I, I was going to say this, but I got to hurry, and so I, I cut these slides out because I mentioned this a few weeks ago. And if you missed that, go back and listen to that, or at least read those slides and say, "Oh, that's what Pastor's talking about." But it's like we we, we use the excuse of Christianity to kind of keep ourselves isolated. You know, we, we get really close to this one or two. No, 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 that's not what He's called us to do. What He's called us to do, what He's called us to be, is the family for those who are lonely. And those who are outside and those who don't have connection. That's, what he's, that's our relationship that we're supposed to have as his body. As his, because can I remind you, you weren't always part of this family either. You were invited in. You were engrafted. Somebody welcomed you in, and now you're part of the family of God. And in the same way, we're supposed to, not supposed to come be a part of this family and, you know, lock the door and don't let the next person in. But every time you, I mean, every time someone new comes into the family, we should be seeing that door just swing wider and wider and wider and realize, wait a minute, this isn't all that Jesus died for. There are people out there in our world, in our lives, in our communities that Jesus died for, and we've got to go go after them. There's a, there's a, to me, a, a little bit of a challenging scripture to all churches. And I, I mentioned this earlier this year, and it's a, it's Acts chapter 1 uh, verse 8 this is Jesus talking to his disciples as he's about to leave he's going to send them power you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and I like how that is in Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth that's what he's talking about there it's like it's like a progression that is there and, and you know I, I shared earlier this year already in a sermon about how I've always felt called to like Samaria you know, not necessarily a missionary to the rest of the world, but not really to Jerusalem. You know, never, never really felt called so much, you know, just to pastor the people that are already in the family. 
but to challenge the people that are in the family to open the doors and let's let some who are on the fringes come into the family as well. You see, there are two great, I think, two great leaders in the, in the early church that we, we, we see a distinction in them right here as well. Simon Peter, you remember where Jesus said, you might remember this story where Jesus is about to leave and he's talking to Simon Peter and Simon Peter's messed up, he's denied him, he's feeling really bad and, and Jesus says, Simon Peter, do you love me? He says, yeah, you know I love you, Lord, then feed my sheep. And Jesus does this three times. He asks him the question, he tells him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Three different times he tells him, feed my sheep. And so Simon Peter has this call to the sheep. The sheep, the lost sheep of Israel, to the Jew, Jews that are becoming Christians. He has this call, and we see this leadership that he has. Yeah, he ventures out a little bit out into Samaria and, and maybe once or twice out into the, the world beyond that, but he's really called to Jerusalem. However, we have Paul. You know Paul, the apostle Paul? He was not called just to Jerusalem. He was called to Samaria and to the other most part of the earth. He, was, he went throughout the Roman Empire establishing churches. Why is that? Okay, why is that? Uh, this is important about who we are, okay? Why is that? And I think, I think this story in, in the book of Acts, chapters 10 and 11, the, the whole chapter 10 and the first half of chapter 11, I think it exemplifies for us and shows us why Simon Peter was called just to the, you know, just to Jerusalem and it's Judea, you know, kind of the, the Jews that already had all these traditions and stuff, but why Paul was called to someone else. Because in this story, God tries to tell Peter He's trying to set him up to accept people outside of the family. And so he uses this example of unclean things. And Simon Peter tells God, no. God says, eat. And he says, no. I mean, he, he, he doesn't say, well, God, I don't. And no, he says, no. He denies. He says, I'm not going to do that, God. I am not going to eat of that thing. And so God's trying to talk to him. He says, no. Then uh, there was Jews in Joppa that had become Christians. They were astounded God was interested in the Gentiles. God's calling Gentiles. God is saving Gentiles. They were astounded. Or the Christian leaders of Jerusalem, they confronted Peter when he had fellowship with the Gentiles. Blasphemy, right? I meant, oh, you're having fellowship with somebody outside of the family? You know, somebody who's outside of who we are? And, and then uh, God had to push Peter. He had to push him into changing his mind, into changing his, his attitude so that Peter would be able to help open the door to the Gentiles that Paul would charge through to establish these churches to the Gentiles, and so the two of them being able to bring this together. See, Paul was not interested in the traditions. He, he was raised to be, he was raised to be in, in just totally submersed in all the traditions, but he didn't change traditions. Therefore, he could better reach Samaria and the Roman world. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Simon Peter was so wrapped up in the tradition, he could preach mostly to the people that had the tradition. But, but the Apostle Paul, God just ripped that out of him, all this tradition that he had, and he just ripped that out of him so that he could go and he could minister to people that didn't have the traditions. Okay, here, here's what I'm saying here. There are plenty of churches out there, maybe, maybe not, but there are a bunch of them where there are plenty of There are a bunch of churches out there that can reach the people who have the traditions of church. But there aren't many out there that can reach the people that don't have the traditions. That if you don't know, if you don't own a King James Version Bible, or if you don't know the old hymns, y'all know what a red back hymnal is? And if you don't know that, there's not a lot of churches out there. And I remember, grow, I remember growing up and looking back at it now and seeing in my church, I mean, one of the first things we did when somebody became a Christian is we, we taught them how to be like us. That's not the goal. 
The goal is not for people to become like me. The goal is for me to help people become like him because my traditions get in the way of people becoming like him. And so that's what God has called us to be as Church 2911 is to be the one that can, that can open the door for someone who does not have the traditions of uh, getting up every single Sunday morning and going to church, of uh, having a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night when I was a kid, right? And like I said last week, and then probably some Fridays and Saturdays or somebody was having a singing or something in the church, right? And that's what God has called us to be. That is who God has called that is who God has called me to be as a pastor. And I believe that's why we are here. And so we're seeing some things happen at 2911. So, so let me, in a way, dispel some myths as well. Because I hear people say, you know, and I, I recently, just over the past couple of weeks, I've seen some posts some, on the social media, uh, you know, some things and people just saying some, some things about, you know, you don't need this in church or this in church. Let me tell you some things we do at 2911. Because we have a plan to reach the unreached, okay? And here, here's, here's some of those things, right? Um, I've got all these on screen so I can run through them as quick as I can because I'm not going to be able to run through I'm going to stop and preach every one of them. I'm going to try, but, but Easter, we, you know, Easter's coming up, right? Now, we don't have Easter just to, but Easter is a big deal. We want to celebrate it, but it's a good opportunity for someone to come to know Jesus Christ. We've got child dedication coming up, Mother's Day. We didn't put these on the calendar. Mother's Day, we didn't put that on the calendar. It's just there, right? We take advantage of it, and baptism is coming up at the end of uh, May, and uh, this summer we're doing our Blockbuster Sermon Series again. Uh, we, we didn't do it for a couple of years. We're bringing it back this year. And it's just, you know what all these are? These are excuses for you to invite somebody to come to church on Sunday morning. That's what they are. You know, I, I, I mean, you know, water baptism, that's a cool, if you've never been to one of those, that's a cool thing to see. He's going to dunk the people in that water. You know, and he's going to... Is he going to pull them out or is he going to make them swim out themselves? You know, you know, if you've never seen, that's a cool thing to invite somebody to. All of these things, and we do these on purpose. The blockbuster is absolutely, I mean, we don't do Easter just to give you an excuse. I mean, it is the biggest day. It is the biggest day in churches all over the world for people to come because even people that are just barely connected say, well, I need to go to church. It's Easter. It's your opportunity. But all of these things, especially blockbuster, something we do just to give you an excuse to invite somebody to church. And then we've got meetups and grow groups, you know, and, and, and listen, they are for us to make the family stronger. But, you know, we don't lock the door at Thanksgiving, you know, and say nobody else. You, you, you aren't blood, are you? What are you doing sitting at this table? I mean, if your neighbor was hungry, would you not invite them to come eat dinner with your family at Thanksgiving? Of course I say, of course you would, or I hope you would, right? And that's what we do. We do these things for the health of the family, but these are excuses, especially the meetups are an excuse. We got one coming up, and I think this coming week, uh, you need to go online and find it. Uh, they're going to see the hockey, go to the hockey game this week. So, I mean, that's a cool thing, right? You can invite somebody that would never step foot in a church and invite them to go to a meetup or to come to a grow group or, or uh, a goal. Um, we have a goal of 80%. Let me, let me say this this way. Uh, because this is the way we've said it most of the time, is in most churches, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard this, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And so you know what you got? You got a lot of tired people, right? And so our goal at 2911 has always been to reverse that, that 80% of the people are involved in doing the ministry. Because think about this. Now listen, let me just tell you, a lot of you are brand new to 2911. Some of you, I'd say, I don't even know how many. I'd, I'd say 20, 30 people sitting here today were not going to this church three, four, five months ago, okay? So a whole lot of new people in this building. 
But you know what happens if, if we all don't pitch in and there's not, if there's not 80% of the people doing the work, then the work becomes a burden on those who are. And so that's our goal is to get there. And, so, and one of the things we've got to have is, is we've got Easter coming up and we're going to do two services like we did last year. Because, I meant, you know, if we, if we have 50 more people in the building this morning, we don't have a place for them, we don't have a place for them to park. So we're doing that. And we need, we need some of you to jump in and say, hey, I'll, I'll help wherever. Just that, just that one Sunday. But hopefully you'll stay, you know, maybe or find a place that you can serve on a long-term basis. This, but this is one of the things we do. Why, why do we do this? Because we can't reach anybody else. We can't reach anybody else with the space and with the workers that we have. And so that's why we've got to increase this. Why? Why don't we get to get 80 so that we can reach more people, bring them into the family, or coffee on Sunday. You know what coffee is for? I know y'all think it's, a lot of y'all think it's for drinking, right? Y- y'all think coffee is for drinking. But you know what, coffee is for fellowship, all right? Now, I, I know, yes, you drink, I know all that. But if I ask you, if I, if I came to you right after service, I said, hey, let's get together and talk this week. How many of y'all want to go to that meeting? I mean, that's really close to... Uh, we need to talk, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to go to that meeting. But if I say, hey, let's get coffee this week, you know, a bunch of you ready for that, especially if you're buying, Pastor, right? Uh, I mean, and it's, it's just, it's an icebreaker. It's, it's what it is to have a cup of coffee and, you, you know, you can stand around. You got something to do with your hands, right? You know, otherwise, otherwise they're just in your pocket or whatever. I mean, it's, that's what it is. And, you know, I've heard people say, oh, that, that church, they serve coffee. You know, yeah, it's an icebreaker. That's what it is, and we do that for the purpose of breaking the ice between ourselves and the people that need this family and to be a part of it, like the five-minute rule. Um, you know what the five-minute rule is? Here's the, here's the crazy thing, okay? Is I, last week especially, at the end of the service, I was just walking around just looking at all these people. I mean, 30 minutes later, some of you st- were still standing here talking to one another, right? You know, nobody here that has, an, has even one little bitty bone of friendliness is going to be out the door in five minutes. You're still going to be here, you know. None, none of us are going to run out the door that fast. So by all means, let's use that five minutes to catch those who are going to be out the door in the first five minutes, especially our first-time attenders, those especially who don't know Jesus, those who not, are not yet in the family. That's what this five-minute rule is all about. It's for you, and so I really encourage you, please, would you please offend your best friend this after, after service today? Just look them dead in the eye when they try to talk to you, when we say amen and you're ready to walk out the door and say, I can't talk to you right now, five-minute rule, pastor said. You know, would you do that? I, don't, I think they'll forgive you because, you know what, they're still going to be here 20 minutes afterwards, and they're going to be ready to talk, you know, and you've got plenty of time. That's what this rule is for, park in the back. <clears throat> now I'm meddling, right? Pastor, you're meddling today. You know what? Thank God we've got a good dry day, and so we didn't have to dodge uh, mud puddles today, right, in, a, in the back, parking in the back. You know, I don't like, I don't like to park in wet gravel. I don't like to walk around puddles on Sunday morning trying to get into the church building. But you know what I hate even more than that? A first-time attender who doesn't know Jesus having to park in wet gravel and walk around puddles to get into the church to be in the presence of God. I had rather be there. Somebody even said it this way. They said, don't just park in the back. Park in an inconvenient place. If you find an inconvenient place, park in it. Don't let that be the last place so a first-time attender comes and the only place left is that inconvenient spot. Park in that one. Let's take up the inconvenient ones. Why? Because we want to do everything we can to stay out of their way to help them come and say, I want to go back to that place. Not, I'd go back to that place if I didn't have to park there. Oh, I, you know, you, you can... 
pray with me if you want to. Somebody write us a $50,000 check. We'll just go ahead and move all those trees and square that off and, and, and asphalt that back there, right? Go ahead, pray that prayer if you want to. But until then, can you, can you do this with me? Let's park in the back and not make a first-time attender have to drive around back. Let's save those best parking places out front. Same thing with sitting closer to the front. Where are you, where are you sitting right now? Mark it, okay? And uh, except for Job and Christy and Clarence. Y'all, y'all don't have to move forward <laughs> next week, okay? But, but mark it and just move forward a little bit to save those space. You know, these are things we, we, we talk about all the time, okay? We talk about these all the time. We've talked about them throughout all of our history as a church. This is why we do these things. This is why we do these things is because we want to invite people in the family. Okay, I, I got one more thing, you know, because this is why we do these things as a church, but we can't just sit here and say, that's what my church does. No, we've got to do this. You've got to do this. What's your part? Because you know somebody that needs to be in this family. So not only does the church need a plan, you need a plan. You need a plan to reach that person that needs to be in the family, that person in your life. And so I want to give you four steps to reach them, okay? Number one is target. You need to know who your target is. Who is the person in your life, in your community, one of your communities that needs to know Jesus? You need to know, so once you know that, then the next thing you do is you pray. Okay? And you pray and you ask God, God, prepare their heart. Give me the right words to say. Give me one of those. Remind me, God, of the, the excuses that Pastor talks about how we can invite people. And this is an excuse to invite somebody and target, and target them in prayer as well. So we, we target them, we pray, and then we actually do the invite. Okay? You actually, you, you know, you can't just say, oh, I'm glad we got all this stuff from my. No, you got to invite them to it. You know, share the stuff on social media. Share the, share the things coming up on social media. Invite them to like the church social media pages. Those kinds of things. You've got to do the invite. And here's the fourth step. You ready? Here's the fourth step. This is maybe the most important. If you don't get here, then you can't do this next step. So it's important to get here and do this. And the fourth step is to jump back to number two and number three and do that again. And when you get to number four, if they're still not here, go back to number two and three. Keep praying and keep inviting. Keep praying and keep inviting. Keep praying and keep inviting. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.